last Sunday, just as this 11 a.m. service was ending, just after I gave the benediction, I received a text. I didn't know it at the moment. I walked out with David Ramsey, and we were greeting folks over here at the door after the service. But a few moments later, I noticed my watch had a little alert that I had a a text from Michelle right when the benediction would have been given. She was waiting to tell me something of importance. At the moment, I may be slightly freer. Hey, we've got some super bad water leaks in the office as soon as you're able to get home. Love you. Y'all remember the rain last weekend? Well, we've been having some roof work done on our roof, and, and, and that deluge of rain found a particular moment, that particular moment to be a convenient one, to test the work while it still remained incomplete, actually, in, in a couple spots. So I, I arrive home uh, severely underestimating what super bad water leaks is. Uh, Michelle and our five-year-old Leo have no fewer than, than six buckets and bowls out catching water from, from, the, from the ceiling, and, and two or three of them always close to overflowing because it's, it's just getting hard to keep up with. They have got every one of, every one of our, single, our towels, our hand towels, those little burp claws that Logan, our 10-month-old, has, they're all being used on the floor to dry up water, and it's kind of going out to the foyer, even out of the office and into the kitchen area. Thanks be to God for longtime First Presbyterian Church member Ron Weaver. I text him fairly soon after seeing all this and realizing the inadequacy of all the towels and burp claws, knowing he lives just a few blocks from us, and he's probably the kind of person who has a shop vac for water. Lo and behold, he does. I arrived to pick it up at his house. He explains, we got this a little after we were married. This shop vac is 40 years old. It has sucked up so much water. It's going to work great. But if it, if it blows a fuse, don't be surprised. Well, I get back home. I turn on that shop vac. No fuse blown. I proceed to spend the next 30 or so minutes doing this vacuuming thing. And the whole time I keep saying, oh, my, oh, my. Oh, boy. And occasionally Michelle would say, did you say something? No. No, sorry, sorry. I had no idea words were even coming out of my mouth. I was just in a place where everywhere I turned, there was more water or something I hadn't noticed or my body just tiring. Do you know these moments? Sometimes it's as simple as standing back up after sitting for a while and and there's that familiar old ache or maybe it's a new ache. Oh. Sometimes it's, it's turning on the news or, or scrolling through a news feed and it's, it's another one of those stories that catches the heart with anger or sadness or, or tiredness and almost involuntarily. Oh, no. Not again. Or sometimes it's that space where there's so little clarity about direction or what decision is best amidst competing demands and possible implications of do this or you do that, and it's a... Uh, or sometimes it's hearing the diagnosis for the very first time or realizing the job really is over or hearing the friend articulate the pain or the injustice for the very first time with you 
or seeing firsthand the devastation after a, a tragedy. And you sit there and there are just, there are no words. Or if there are, it's, it's, Paul characterizes the Christian life, this side of our full redemption, this side of God's kingdom made known fully on earth as it is in heaven, this side of how it should be. Paul characterizes the Christian life as one of groaning. We. We who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We who have experienced the gift of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Groan inwardly, he writes. In fact, Paul says, the whole of creation has been groaning. And Paul is clear. Groaning is not the exception. Groaning is not a sometimes thing that happens on a, a bad day, an off week. All of creation and all who have known the gift of the Holy Spirit groan because at all times in life, even the best times of life, we recognize as there are ways and places where things are not as they should be. Somewhere within us, somewhere among us, somewhere out there, always there are ways and spaces where the water is pouring in. And there's an ache. There's an inward groan. When, when is the last time the groan was audible for you? For us? When has that deep kind of sigh been most acute this past year? How do we name the places where we have ached that it would be far more on earth as it is in heaven? How do we name that? I, I think often we're tempted actually to not name that, to, to avoid thinking much about the aches, the groans, tempted just to put them aside, push them down, medicate them, keep so busy we didn't even realize they're there, put on a good face and fake it till you make it. But Paul names the deep sighs not as an occasional thing, but as this continual reality amongst us and all of creation as we groan for the fullness of redemption. And this passage, I think, invites our awareness of those particular groans to come right to the fore because Paul wants to make clear that there is profoundly good news to be known, made known about those particular groans and aches and sighs. He writes, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought to, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. I cannot tell you how many times I have leaned on the promise of that particular scripture. When I do not have the words to pray for this or that, when I can't find what I, I should say or I want to say or, or needs to be said, when all there are is, is, is sighs and groans and uncertainty, I love that Scripture just names it. We don't know how to pray as we ought to pray. But do you know, the Spirit's right in the midst of those wordless groans, those sighs, those uncertainties, and the Spirit's praying with sighs too deep for words. The Spirit is praying with sighs in those Size. On top of that, get this. When the Spirit prays, we read, <clears throat> the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 
In other words, the Spirit's not randomly praying for us, generally praying for us, praying without any kind of direction, but praying for us and on our behalf according to God's good will. No wonder the very next verse in our passage from Romans 8 that I didn't read, the very next verse is probably the most famous verse in all the book of Romans, arguably one of the most famous in all of Scripture. Now we know that all things work together for good for those who love God who are called according to his purpose. All things work for good. Not because we eventually find our way, we eventually figure it out. No, all things work for good because the Holy Spirit meets us and prays for us precisely in that space of ongoing ache and prays us further into God's perfect and good will. And so again, where do we name those particular spaces and places of deepest sighs or ache or groan? And what if we knew that when we offer up those groans, those sighs, that wordless speech and all of its uncertainty, what if we knew that we were not the only voice speaking at that very moment? What if we knew that that side was also the Spirit in complete symbiosis with us. Praying. What if we knew right there in that side was the Spirit's prayer on our behalf according to God's will? Paul's clear that because the Spirit is praying for us and in us precisely in that space, then the deepest truth about those groans is that they are the space from which God is birthing something new. I mean, listen again to how Paul talks about the groaning in our passage. We know the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves. The groans are most fundamentally labor pains. Which is to say, the groans are, are, are not simply futile. They're not simply empty cynicism. They're not simply dead-end exasperation. But because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, the groans are the precise space from which the new birth is emerging. Now, To be sure, we may not feel that in the least. We may not see anything on the horizon that looks like new birth. And Paul seems to be quite realistic about that in our passage. Hope that is seen, that's not hope. And yet he's adamant. Because of the gift of the Holy Spirit praying for us in those groans, those groans are birth pains, labor pains unto something new. Do do we believe it? Does not it go to the heart of what we believe that from the depths of Christ's deepest sigh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? From, From that space, resurrection. If we trust that the Holy Spirit is faithfully bringing about new birth in those spaces, then Paul is clear on what we are to do, what, what our posture is. He says, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly 
for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. We wait eagerly. Last Sunday night, Michelle and Leo and I are we're in our kitchen area just outside that office area that really took the brunt of everything. And in the background is this low-level constant drone sound of these air vents that are blowing onto the wet wall. And, and in the air is the slight but very real smell of kind of a mildewy thing. And Michelle has opened on Google Maps on her phone and is showing, has Google Maps open, is just showing Leo the earth. It's zoomed way out, and so he goes, what, what's all the brown there? Land. Desert, actually. I, I, it was just some barren portion of the earth. I couldn't quite see where exactly they, they were. And so Leo, he starts moving his neck around at the phone and, and, and peering around the screen, and, and then goes very matter-of-factly, well, then, where are the playgrounds? The Greek for wait eagerly in our passage is a word that suggests stretching one's neck out to look for what's coming, craning one's neck. Certain that though all five senses declare there is nothing there and nothing coming, we do need to crane our necks. The Spirit will be faithful. The first fruits of the Spirit, in fact, may already be breaking ground, may already be at hand. Michelle, she looks over to Leo and says, well, to see the, the playgrounds, you have to zoom in really far. Zoom in, zoom in, zoom in. And eventually, where are the groans most acute these recent days? Know that because the Holy Spirit is with us and for us and cannot help but be faithful, the deepest truth about those groans is that the Spirit is praying in them. They are labor pains. And so we can crane our necks and our hearts and look and search for where the new thing is. And sometimes, if we're willing to crane our necks right into the heart of the ache itself, we can see the presence of new life already at hand, the promised good shepherd himself walking in the deepest valley. Amen.